Well, as the curtain closes on another day here in California and in the great nation of the United States, the incredible planet Earth, freedom is breaking out everywhere. Have you heard? Hairdressers are getting out of jail. Generals are being exonerated. Citizens, some of us anyway, freed from our confinement. Yes, that's right, people. Freedom. It's breaking out everywhere. We're not going to stop. Oh, there's going to be some more. Oh, yeah. Well, today, we're going to solve this coronavirus situation. I know you're thinking, what took you so long, Scott? We've been waiting for you to solve it all. And you've just been dawdling and making, making your little periscopes. Why don't you actually go solve the problem? So I thought I would. So we'll be doing that today a little bit later. Uh, you can wait. It's not important, is it? If it's important, we'll do it now. But otherwise, let's talk about this other stuff. This whole General Flynn thing. Are you having the same experience I am, which is it just seems surreal? It doesn't really feel like this could have happened. I mean, it just feels so beyond the pale. Some of the things we learned today with the transcripts that came out. Apparently, uh, Obama did know that General Flynn was being wiretapped. And he asked not to be told anything else. And I say to myself, huh. So Obama knew, and he was interested. And remind me, what did Obama think of General Flynn? Oh, that's right. He was the one person that Obama asked Trump not to trust and not to hire. Have you heard what the problem is? I've not yet heard, I've heard story after story that Obama didn't like Flynn, but I've never heard why, have you? I haven't heard why. But it looks like there was, in fact, a genuine coup attempt. I don't think you can, I don't think you can hide that anymore. And watching the Democrats try to explain this away is beyond entertaining. I mean, it's pretty entertaining. So I guess uh, Schiff says, oh no, Russia collusion wasn't completely empty. And so if you say it's not completely devoid of any findings that are derogatory to the president, you probably would need to list some to make your point. And he did. So one of the things that shift shift points to to show that that uh, whole Russia collusion thing had some meat on the bones was that Don Jr. went to that meeting once. Uh, I'm not making that up. Schiff stood in front of the world and said, oh, yeah, we sure, we crippled the government and spent, I don't know, $40 million, whatever the hell it turned out in the end. <clears throat> But, you know, we got the goods on Don Jr. We've told the world that he attended a meeting that one time and wasn't interested and then left and didn't follow up. We got him now. Ha, ha, ha. So that's pathetic. And then I saw Donna Brazil reminding us that those Russians did try to help Clinton or try to get uh, Trump elected. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's technically true if you talk about the troll farm and the ads. But did anybody look at those ads? They looked like high school ads and they weren't even all pro-Trump. <laughs> they weren't even all pro-Trump. If somebody uh, mounted a <clears throat> secret pro-Trump troll campaign and some of, the po- some of the trolls didn't hear the instructions clearly and they were writing anti, anti, uh, anti-Trump stuff instead of anti-Hillary stuff, uh, should we be afraid of Russia? If that was their best play, there's something there's something wrong with that whole troll story. There's like something missing, you know. I think the real story is would just be pathetic and hilarious because if you've seen the memes, they were not made by even adults, as far as I can tell. <clears throat> they looked like they were made by chimps. So the president uh, is sort of taking the opportunity of the Russia collusion thing falling apart, and he noted that it made it hard to deal with Russia because this cloud was hanging over him. Uh, and I guess he talked to Vladimir Putin on the 75th anniversary of, I don't know, winning the war or something, for World War II. And Trump said again, very clearly, you know, why can't we get along with Russia? They're a strong power, we're a strong power, it just sort of makes sense. Here's what I think. <laughs> as much trouble as we have with China... While, tri- while China is pretending to be our friend, but they're stealing our IP and they're giving us bad trade deals and you know God knows what else, do you think they're not doing that to Russia? I actually don't know the answer to that. So if somebody knows the answer to that, let me know. But my, <clears throat> let me start with this working assumption, which could be wrong. My working assumption is if the whole point of China's alleged, you know, total war philosophy of trying to get to the point where China dominates the world, well, it's not just the United States they want to dominate, right? Does China not think that, 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 does Russia not think that China wants to boost its influence, and as China's influence grows, does Russia think that's good for them? I actually don't know the answer to that. It's possible that they don't care one way or the other. Maybe they just don't have any you know, interests that are in conflict, and they're like, well, we don't care. Good for them. Maybe. But I don't think so. Isn't it far more likely that Russia and the United States have a, a common, I won't say enemy, I think that's too strong, but a common um, concern, a common external threat, And it does seem to me that the very best thing we could do while decoupling from China at whatever rate makes sense, bringing our our production facilities home, that maybe we should have some kind of an understanding with Russia, assuming we can work out our problems with Russia. But we should be able to get to the point where we can make the case that Russia is better as an ally than an enemy. What is it that keeps our allies, our allies. What makes France our ally, Britain our ally, and we don't worry about it? Even Germany, oddly enough, how weird is that? That Germany is our ally, and we don't really worry about it. I mean, except jokingly we do, but we don't really worry about Germany. What is it about those countries that allows us to feel comfortable that they remain our allies? Well, I would say that the strongest tie we have is a military cooperation, 
and knowing that if one of us got in serious trouble, that the others would be there. That's a really strong bond. You can't really beat the blood bond. If you get in trouble, we will die for you. What's stronger than that? And that's basically what NATO is, right? If one of you guys get in trouble, the rest of you, the rest of us will die. We'll die to save you. You don't, you don't get more of a trust than that situation. And right now we have this absurd situation where we're treating Russia like a competitor. And sure, sure, you can make a list of things they want that were in the way. And maybe there's some things we want that they're in the way. But does that apply to every country? You know, aren't there things we wish, you know, the Great, Great Britain or France would do differently or Israel or anybody? You know, there's always something. But we don't have any kind of a conflict with those other countries in any major way. Couldn't we get, that, get to that place with Russia if we just realize and reframe the situation that we have a common, a common interest? And maybe at some point we should have a common military alliance to protect us from a gigantized China, which might be 20 years away, but wouldn't, wouldn't it be good to get started beefing up the defenses? All right. Um, Governor Abbott was quite impressive. If you saw his, uh, pre- his appearance with the president today. So, and I, just, I was just shaking my head so hard when Abbott was talking because he was explaining the technique that they were using in Texas that has been unusually successful. Or it seems unexpectedly successful, I'll say. And he described their technique... And I just sat there thinking, you're the only one who thought of this? Why isn't everybody doing this? And his technique, apparently they have these sort of uh, rapid response situations. Um, And so rapid response situation. And uh, sorry, I just got a text that distracted me. i got to answer that. All right. Uh, so what Texas does is they say um, if you're a nursing home, they you know, put a wall around it, basically, you know, a protective wall, if you know what I mean, figuratively speaking. And if there's a hotspot, they have a hotspot emergency group that goes there and just surrounds it and, and stamps it out. So basically what they're doing in Texas that's different is really concentrating resources in the group that, that is more than half of the um, illnesses. And if you can concentrate, um, if you can concentrate your effort where it matters most, you get the best result. So Texas is just doing the most logical thing, which is putting their resources in the places that'll have the biggest impact. And as he was describing it, I was just thinking, and the other states are doing what? Apparently, something different. Does it, isn't that blowing your mind? I mean, we, we know the story of Cuomo sending, not, not personally, I don't even know if he knew, but in New York, uh, pe- people who were infected were sent back to nursing homes, and you know how that worked out. All right. Here are some uh, facts you might not know. Did you know that uh, both, um, both Texas and California are young states, meaning the average median, or the median, let's say the median age, is fairly young in both California and Texas. So that gives both of them an edge. 
and they both have sun. That probably gives them an edge. And, you know, not as many... Well, I don't know. Does Texas have as many skyscrapers collectively as New York? Maybe, but spread out, different cities. Um, so, <clears throat> here's, so here's another uh, factoid. New Jersey is one of the oldest states. Did you know that? Also, New York, not, I don't think necessarily New York City, but New York the state and New Jersey the state are very old states, relatively speaking. They have an old population. I just looked it up before I got here. <clears throat> now, does that, that tell you something? It might. So I tweeted earlier. Uh, let's, <clears throat> I'll talk about that at the end. So there are two articles in the last 24 hours about Kamala Harris uh, being the top pick, for, likely pick, most predictable pick, for Joe Biden. The PJ Media wrote a big article about that, uh, with Kamala being the obvious choice. But here's the interesting one, because PJ Media is you know, more of a right-leaning situation. But CNN's Chris Saliza who I would say, um, as much as anybody at CNN, Chris Eliza, I think you would say, has his finger on the pulse of what CNN's theme and approach is going to be. Wouldn't you say? Those of you who have watched CNN, I know it's not all of you. But I think Chris Eliza would really represent, almost always, the most mainstream opinion that will be CNN's larger opinion. And he wrote a lengthy article. It was uh, uh, pretty good, actually. And it was um, showing all the top candidates for vice president. And he also ranked Kamala, Kamala. Kamala as number one, the second week in a row, I guess, or the second time they've done it. So even CNN, Chris Eliza, anyway, is saying that Kamala is the most likely choice. But here's the interesting part. He didn't endorse her, you know, with the word endorse. But when he described her, it was quite positive. So CNN is not only predicting it, but they're sort of subtly pushing it. Because there wasn't any negative that he mentioned, and he seemed to have a very positive thought about her as vice president, and explained why it made sense on a number of levels. Now, it seems to me that... uh, if you've got CNN on board, they're the best indicator of what the Democratic, let's say, machine wants. Because you think MSNBC might be a little more Bernie-oriented? CNN is right in the mainstream of the, the, the power center of the Democratic Party, wouldn't you say? So if Chris Eliza feels comfortable talking up Kamala Harris as the number one uh, likely pick, but also best pick. He didn't say best, but he indicated she'd be a strong pick. If CNN is talking her up, has the decision been made? I ask you, has the decision been made? And if the decision is made, will not everyone say that the vice president is really the candidate you're voting for? And will I not have achieved the greatest prediction of all time. Well, I will be... uh, It's too early to say that's true. Uh, But it could happen. It's shaping up. 
<clears throat> even if it doesn't happen, look how close I got. <laughs> you know, to make a prediction that, that's, that is as wild as the one I made, which is that, first of all, that she'd be the candidate, that's wild, but that even after she suspended her campaign, I said repeatedly and publicly, no, she's still going to be the candidate because Biden's going to fail. And here we are. Still too soon. I may be eating crow, eating my words in a week or so if Biden picks a vice president. Anything could happen. I think vice presidents are especially hard to predict. But it's looking that way. Um, I'm trying to decide what are the biggest stories of the Trump administration so far. Like, what are the biggest stories? Uh, somebody says, oh, you. <laughs> um, and I would say the biggest stories of the, you know, the three and a half years so far is, the, first of all, the fake Russia collusion story. All right? So that was maybe the biggest story, and it was fake. It was the biggest story, and it wasn't even real. Um, but on another level, you could argue that the fine people hoax was one of the biggest ones, because not only was the story itself massive, but it stayed with us. It was like a story that never left. It, it became like the background um, anger for every other story, because you'd see people bring it up for years, since 2017. Uh, it still gets brought up. Well, fine people, fine people. But of course... Like the Russia collusion hoax, the fine people story, maybe the second biggest story of his entire administration, was also not true. It didn't actually happen. You, you all know the story, but none of the people on the left know it because it's just not reported. <laughs> you'll never see it on CNN. You'll never see it on MSNBC. And the truth is, of course, he didn't say that. He said specifically uh, the neo-Nazis um, and the racists, the white nationalists, I guess, uh, should be condemned totally. That's what he actually said. Should be condemned totally, but because it was muddled and taken out of context, it was turned into, he called them fine people, which is literally the opposite of what happened. So the two biggest stories of the administration were both hoaxes. How weird is that? But what about the third biggest story? Well, the third biggest story is really the coronavirus, of course. But in terms of politics, what's the biggest story around the coronavirus? Well, I think the biggest story around the coronavirus is that the president uh, um, wondered aloud about uh, drinking bleach and uh, ingesting disinfectants to fight the coronavirus, which, of course, would kill you. So don't do that. But that was a giant story, and it really became the story that people used to, I would say, park all of their uh, biases about the president not being up to the job. Because they wanted to think that the job of handling this coronavirus required a certain amount of, um, let's say, controlled leadership and deference to scientific authority, which would be the opposite of wondering aloud about drinking bleach. But, similar to the Russia collusion hoax and the fine people hoax, the drinking bleach and or ingesting disinfectant hoax actually didn't happen. It didn't happen. He was talking about using light as a disinfectant, 
inserting it into the lungs, which is actually a real thing. It's being tested right now. And it was the context he was talking about, because he had just talked about light as a disinfectant. That was the context. So the biggest, correct me if I'm wrong, the three biggest stories of the year were all made up. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, then the the hydroxychloroquine, um, the idea that the hydroxychloroquine was actually dangerous because it's just dangerous as a drug. We know that's not true because it's been, you know, it's been prescribed for forever all over the world, 75 years or something, in some form or other. And that was just a hoax. I mean, it's, nobody's admitted it yet, but obviously that was that a was complete hoax. What about remdesivir? <laughs> remdesivir, I just saw an article in CNN, I think it was. So remdesivir uh, is the one that made no statistical difference that we've identified in changing mortality rates. And CNN's touting it as a breakthrough drug. Now, can you be a breakthrough drug without affecting mortality rates? Now, there does seem to be an, uh, a strong evidence that it reduces the, the virus, but don't have evidence that it reduces the mortality rate. Now, we also don't have evidence that it doesn't, so we just don't have evidence either way. But why are we talking about this as a breakthrough without the one piece of evidence you'd really want to see, which is mortality rates? Sounds to me like you shouldn't get your news from, wait for it, wait for it, you shouldn't get your news from somebody who's funded mostly by pharmaceutical companies, like most of the news. Most of the news is a pharmaceutical um, I mean, you can almost think of the news as a pharmaceutical product. Wow, did I just say that? That was so profound. I feel, I feel I need to say it again in case anybody missed it. I'll just act like I didn't say it the first time. You act like you didn't hear it the first time, but listen to this and act like it was profound. It's almost as if the news is just a pharmaceutical product. Not bad the second time either. Because the news is designed to change your mental state. It's designed to rewire your personality, to change your mood. It's designed to uh, influence the chemistry of your body, literally. Your oxytocin, your dopamine, your serotonin, your, you know, all, the, all the chemicals that can make you happy or sad. That's what the news does. What's that sound like? A pharmaceutical product. Who is the main sponsor slash advertiser of news? Pharmaceutical companies. So if you tell me that the news is one business and the pharmaceutical business is a separate business, I would say to you, doesn't look like that. It looks like it's one business. And the news is just one of the drugs. Boom. Think about that for a while, huh? Your head will explode. Snickers! You know it's the cat. It's always the cat. It's never not the cat. Always the cat. Ah, okay. Um, so, 
Let's talk about vitamin D. Um, when the coronavirus crisis first started, I advised, as you remember, that you should get um, do everything to keep your immune system strong. I said, make sure you get sleep and uh, mild exercise, not strenuous, mild exercise. And I told you to take a walk because it would be the best mild exercise because it has the double benefit of getting you in the sun a little bit. You get your vitamin D. Vitamin D is good for your immune system. Everybody knows that, right? So, and, and by the way, I'm pretty sure I was the first person to say that, to, to say that the way you should deal with the coronavirus <clears throat> is to take walks. Um, I didn't hear anybody else say it before I said it. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here, sorry. Um, anyway, so, and we've also seen, uh, you've all seen stories that maybe vitamin D would be a treatment for people who are already infected, but there's conflicting information. I saw some information today that maybe there's an optimal vitamin D level and it's U-shaped, meaning that you could have too much vitamin D, but you could also have too little. So there's a sweet spot that's the best. So it's not as clean as more is better. There might be some situation where you can get too much, but I don't think you can get too much without supplements. So here's what I'm going to add to the conversation. And um, what I'm adding is just pattern recognition. So we already know vitamin D is good for your immune system, so I'm not, I'm not adding that thought. I'm just adding this observation. Think of all the um, factors that make you more likely to die from coronavirus. It turns out that um, maybe every one of these factors is really just a, a signal that you don't have vitamin D. Think about this. Uh, every one of the things that I'm going to list is highly correlated with low vitamin D levels, right? Being old, if you're old, your vitamin D is really low. Old people have it worse with the, with the coronavirus. If you're overweight, your vitamin D is lower. If you're black, your vitamin D, or even if you have a darker um, melanin, you know, darker skin tones, you're, le- you're less likely to be picking up enough vitamin D. Um, and of course, the black population is getting it the worst, but they also have the other comorbidities, comor- mor- which are also related to vitamin D. Diabetics have vitamin D deficiency. Did you know that? I guessed it was true and looked it up, and it's true. Um, people who live in smoggy cities, do they get as much vitamin D? Probably not, because smog. Um, when Wuhan was uh, shut down, the, the terrible smog that was there disappeared. When people went back, you know, when they were finally released, they were released into sunshine. <laughs> did it help? Don't know. But maybe they had a little more vitamin D than they did when things were the worst. Uh, I don't know if short-term uh, exposure makes that much difference. Look at uh, nursing homes. Do they get much sun? No. And they're old. Do old people get much sun? No. Look at prisons. Do prisoners get much sun? No. Now, prisoners mostly didn't have as many medical problems, but they're younger, right? So prisons have a, a higher um, African-American uh, population, so that speaks to lower vitamin D as well as not being outdoors. Um, what about Chinese urban dwellers? 
do you think there's a correlation with vitamin D and being a Chinese urban dweller? There is. There was a study of Chinese residents of Beijing, and they have low vitamin D. Now, I didn't see a study of Wuhan, but why would it be different? So apparently, if you're Chinese and you live in an urban environment, you have low vitamin D. It could be the smog, right? What about uh, Iran? The Iranians, correct me if I'm wrong, but how many of them expose their arms? If you're in Iran, do you ever expose your arms? Or even, let's say, the back of your neck, depending on if you're a man or a woman, what you're wearing. Would, and also Tehran is one of the most polluted cities. So you got your smog, which would affect the air. Maybe they're a little more covered because of the modesty of the traditional dress. Do they have low vitamin D? Maybe. Um, how about... Uh, well, so those are the main categories. Now, of course, does it work the other way? Do people that we know have good vitamin D, do they have the least problems? Well, you know, little babies sometimes can have, be short on vitamin D, little kids. But don't, isn't it true that every kid gets more sun than adults? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know any kid who doesn't get more sun than adults, and when they do go outside, good luck getting some sunscreen on them. I mean, you can if you're going swimming or something, but if they're just running around or going to school or you know, they're, gonna, they're out in recess uh, during, during uh, school and they're out for lunch, they're outside sometimes, at least in California. So kids, at least where I live, kids are outdoors way more than adults but they m- might also not have as much vitamin D problems. And, they, and there may be other, other issues to that as well, right? So here's what I'd like to add to the conversation. Um, somebody says, please study Chelsea, Massachusetts. Well, here's the next thing I was going to say. Look at any place you think is an exception. And then... Um, somebody says, my God, you solved this damn thing. Maybe. Let me ask you this. Uh, Obviously, it would be ridiculously unlikely, ridiculously unlikely if this was the answer and that, you know, we came up with it right here. That would be ridiculously unlikely. But is it impossible? Is it impossible? I don't know. Not impossible. By the way, Christina, my lovely, beautiful and talented fiancé, was helping me with this theory, who may in fact be watching. Christina, are you watching? Um, If you are, I'm going to see you soon with a record player. You'll know what that means. Um, And so, so Christina and I were talking tonight, and we started putting together this series of coincidences, and, I, and, I, and the ones that were weird is I would say, for example, all right, one of the risk groups is diabetics. What are the odds that if I Google diabetics that it will say they have a vitamin D deficiency? Google diabetics, vitamin D deficiency. Google uh, African-American, vitamin D deficiency? Yes. Google overweight, vitamin D, you know. And everything I could think of, 
Every time I can think of it, I'm seeing somebody say that Dr. Shiva has been on it on this for two months. This is an important distinction. I'm not suggesting that I've seen evidence that it works as a treatment, right? But if you already had good vitamin D levels, would it help you not get into as much trouble? In other words, would it be a, an early intervention because you already had vitamin D? There doesn't seem to be strong evidence that if you administer it when somebody's already in bad shape, I think there's some mixed, mixed evidence on that. It could work. Sort of mixed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Dr. Shiva is talking about using it as a treatment. Can somebody confirm that? Which is not what I'm talking about. So, so this is really important distinction. If you miss this, you're missing the whole magic. The magic is not that it might be a good treatment. I don't know anything about that. And that's what's mostly been talked about. All I'm adding is the correlation, which is, uh, is this my imagination? Or is every single situation where it's a problem also low, low uh, vitamin D? Take New York City. Have you ever been to New York City? Have you ever walked around in New York City? Do you need sunglasses? One of the most freaky things about New York City, when I go there, every year or two I go to New York City, spend some time there for business, and often I'll have some downtime to walk someplace. And I go to take my sunglasses, because in California you can't leave the house without sunglasses. You can't, you can't leave the house on a winter day, a cloudy day, you would not want to drive your car on any daytime in California without sunglasses because it's just so darn bright out here. In New York City, even with my light blue eyes where I need sunglasses all the time, even me, I don't need sunglasses in New York City because everything is uh, diffused. The, the buildings are blocking everything and you're, you're just not in sun that much. Anyway, so... Um, I wouldn't say for sure that uh, New York City has low vitamin D, but when you when you find the places that are the exceptions, because you know they might they might not have any vitamin D problems. I don't know, but if you find an exception, there's usually also a reason for the exception. In other words, you know, New York City is super dense. They got elevators. They have everything that's wrong if you're trying to stop a virus. So maybe it's just the exception because it's got everything wrong with it, virus-wise. So let me ask you the question. How many of you believe, based on, on these coincidences, and remember, this, this would be confirmation bias, what about Italy? Uh, Italy is unusually old. The average age in Italy is quite old. And it also got into some, you know, I think nursing homes and stuff over there. So if you factor in the age, uh, they would have low vitamin D. And I think somebody said that Spain, uh, that the elderly in Italy and Spain don't like to go out so much. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but somebody said it on on Twitter. So it's the right question to ask for the exceptions, but I think you can often find the reason for the exceptions. So... What do you think? What do you think? Um, Dr. Shiva saying it should be a regimen, not a cure. Well, that seems safe to say, wouldn't you say? I mean, it feels like vitamin D is so well established as good for your immune system. 
Um, I don't know the specifics of you know what exactly you would administer, but how could that be wrong? I mean, I don't see how Shiva could be wrong about vitamin D being at least helpful. I mean, that that feels safe, right? Um, you know, at least on a risk reward basis, because it's not gonna, it's not likely to hurt you. Uh, most carrier sailors never go topside. Interesting. Somebody's saying that the aircraft carrier could be a situation where nobody goes topside. Huh. Um, I was also wondering about cruise ships, but I think I think these are cases where there might be an air circulation issue. You know, small quarters, everything's public. Um, but also on cruise ships, you do spend a lot of time below deck. But I, I would think, and also cruise ships are older, so you've got the age thing and the comorbidities. And frankly, the people who decide to go on cruises are not the active people. <laughs> you know, the most active people are not going to say, let's sit on a boat for two weeks. It tends to be the, the less active people like that. It's been my observation. All right. Um, I believe I have, uh, in Japan, the elders kept a home and they had low deaths. Yeah, you also have the issue of masks being generally available and more acceptable in some places. Um, so that's cool. Don't men have more vitamin D? Good question. Good question. I will Google that. So, so men are dying at a higher rate, and so the theory would say, all things being equal, but are, are men just less healthy in general? We have a, we have a lower, um, lower life expectancy. See, men versus women. Somebody Google this for me so I can only do it once if I miss it. Men versus women, uh, vitamin D deficiency. Vitamin D. Let's see what the top subs are. Uh, in both men and women, uh, vitamin D was consistently lower in men, irrespective of obesity. So this is some study. It's just the top result. So let's see if the other results say that. Women may respond different for men to vitamin D supplementation. Uh, vitamin D status of gender differences were significantly reduced in both men. However, compared to women, all right, so there's, uh, are vitamin D levels the same for men and women? All right, here's, that's, this is the exact question. Let's see what they say. Uh, what does the research show? So they got a bunch of participants. Give me the answer. They found that the vitamin D levels were significantly higher in males than in females across all BMI groups with a trend toward a higher percentage in females with vitamin D. So more women with vitamin D deficiencies. That is, uh, but what was the other study? The other study was the opposite. All right, well, somebody else look at that. Um, I'm seeing that somebody says men have less. So I got, um, I got opposite answers on there from two different sites. Somebody says women are higher. All right, well, look into that. So that would be that was actually a really good um, addition. Somebody says higher testosterone suppresses the immune system. Uh, is that true? Higher testosterone depresses the immune system? I 
don't know that that's true. I know higher testosterone is bad for stopping cancer, because cancer likes the testosterone, right? But is that the same as saying, because I would think, I don't know, I would think that testosterone would help your immune system if you're a man, but I don't know. Um, okay, your levels checked before you take vitamin D. Yeah, so there's apparently there's some places you can go to I do a, a mail-in test, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's a question of whether men and women need the, need the same amount. So even if you can imagine, for example, that one would have more, but maybe that isn't enough because they need even more than that. So yeah, you can't just... I guess it wouldn't be fair to simply compare them apples to apples because men and women might use it differently. And that was actually indicated in the search. All right. Um, don't lose your high before your fiancé gets there. That's excellent advice. Thank you for that. Um, you th- men are willing to die. Yes, you missed the, the Flint comments. Those were first. More men do dangerous outdoor jobs than women. Well, so would men be getting more sun because they do outdoor work? I don't know. Maybe. You know, it would be interesting to find out if uh, gardeners are getting, uh, getting COVID and dying from it. Have you heard any gardeners or landscapers, people who literally work outside every day, have you heard any of them getting it? Here's the other thing you haven't heard. You've heard that meatpacking plants have had problems, right? They're indoor facilities. Have you heard that any farms with, um, with let's say, uh, immigrant workers, um, have you heard that any of them are... Hey, Christina, you're here. Um, have I told you lately that you're the most beautiful woman in the multiverse? You know, those of you at home, if you're complimenting uh, your partner, don't make the mistake of limiting it to the city. As in, I love you more than anyone in the city. Don't go state. Don't go continent. Don't go planet. Don't go universe. You've got to go multiverse. Otherwise, otherwise, you don't mean it. Um What's your beef situation? How are you on beef? Well, I still don't eat beef, so I'm not caring about it too much. Uh, I I hear there's a little bit of a shortage, but I haven't seen it in practice. Uh, Can you hypnotize us so we feel rested when we wake up in the morning? Yes, I can. Indeed, all of you are going to have a terrific night of sleep tonight. Yes, you will. It's going to be one of the best nights of sleep in your whole life. It will be an epic night. You might dream, you might not. You might remember it, you might not, but there'll be pleasant dreams. And when you wake up, you're going to have a little little, little bit of a get up in your step. You're going to feel a little extra good in the morning. You're going to think about General Flynn being exonerated, how good that feels. You're going to realize that this coronavirus thing is now completely understood now that we figured out this vitamin D thing. Thank you, Christina. And um, you will have a relaxing, deep, enjoyable sleep. And I will see you in the morning.